Chapter 30 Tribunal Bosch, September 15th and 16th, 2360 So, the tribunal will convene tomorrow at eight bells. You'll need to give them more than you've given me, Cat. I know. My hands are behind my head as I gaze at the ceiling, below which is the hard bunk I'm lying on in one of the cells in the basement of Bosch Hall. The soft blankets and pillows Miles had directed be brought in lay off to the side unused. I look at the cracks that snake across the concrete, smeared over with repeated repairs. The bars of the cell are deeply embedded in the ceiling and floor. There's only the bunk, firmly fixed in the foundation wall, a large tin cup on the floor filled with water to drink, and a hole with a bucket for relieving oneself. There's no window, just a small light at either end of the hall, so it's dim, and everything looks gray and tired. The only door to the stairs going up and out, onto the green and the base and freedom, is at the far end of the hall, preceded by another barred metal door. And all in all, it is one of the more inescapable cells I've been in, and I've been in a few. Andy Dufresne would have been challenged. But he was the only innocent man in the Shawshank Redemption. I am not innocent. I am most definitely guilty. And I have no intention of trying to escape. I will take my punishment, cruel as it is. It is the Bosch thing to do, the right thing. I've... Well, I've convinced the council to make this a private tribunal. I think that Miriam and the kids would prefer that. Miles is sitting on a small stool just outside of the cell, hands between his knees looking at me sorrowfully. I turn my head to look at Miles and give a tired smile, then a small nod. That's good. The family shouldn't have to deal with any more drama than necessary. I turn my head back and close my eyes, feeling them fill with tears. I'm exhausted, and I miss my babies and Takai, and Teddy and Mama, and the family. I'll, uh, have some food brought in a little later. Miles stands up. You get some sleep. He pauses. Cat, I know you loved him, and I know he completely loved you. I'll wait for the whole story tomorrow, but... He trails off. Thanks, Miles. I don't open my eyes, and I hear his footsteps recede, and the newly assigned guard at the hall cell door stand, unlock, and open the heavy metal door for Miles with a sharp, Master Commander, sir. Then I hear the door slam shut and the lock engage. I sigh and fall into a fitful sleep. The council convened promptly at eight bells. I've been sitting with a guard in a straight-backed chair to the side of the semicircle council table for a good bell before that. Think about my meeting with the generals and commanders all those years ago when I sat similarly and wondered what the future would bring. Evidently, I did not learn what I was supposed to because here I am again. I was brought a basin of water to tidy up in my cell, but I am still wearing my flight suit from the previous day. I originally had shackles on my wrists and ankles when I was brought in, but after a quick and fairly stern order from Miles, they were removed. The shackles weigh close, however, in case they become necessary. I am, after all, a murderer. A few minutes before the council files in, the door to the gallery is opened and I look up to see Takai, Mama, Peter, Paul, and Mimi step in. Peter has his hand protectively on Mama's arm. Takai looks sad and as worried as I've ever seen him, but he gives me a tight-lipped smile and an encouraging nod. But the family, they look broken. All four of them have red, puffy eyes, and they look like they've all aged ten years. I can't tell what they are thinking when they look across the room at me. Their faces are drawn and sad. I hold each of their eyes for a moment before I drop my head and close my eyes as the knowledge that I am responsible for their pain cuts into my heart. I 
feel the sensation of tears, but nothing comes out. Not surprising. I'm probably dehydrated. I think I cried all through last night. Then the council comes in, and I'm led to the center of the room, facing the members who stand near their chairs in the semicircle. I stand at attention. They take their seats, and Chief Council Member Nia Clark begins. We are here to conduct this tribunal in the matter of the intentional death of Master Commander Emeritus Theodore Bosch. There's a small sob from Mimi at this. And to hear the confession of Corporal Katrina Wallace. If found guilty, the punishment for the intentional killing of a Bosch citizen is lifetime banishment from Bosch. Corporal Wallace, do you understand the charges and the consequences? My heart and belly feel like lead as I give a short nod and answer. Yes, ma'am, I understand. Then please, for the record, make your statement. So I tell the story of the past few days as fully as I can. I omit the visit to Dr. Dalton, as I see no need to drag his name into the fray, and I omit my failed foray for revenge. I speak for about 20 minutes, standing at attention the entire time. I'm glad I don't have to see my family's faces as I tell the tale. I keep my face as neutral as possible throughout, but I feel the emotions flow into my hands and fingers as I grasp and squeeze them where they lie clasped behind my back. I finish the story with my landing in the field. The council asks me a few questions for clarification. Council member William Vargas asked how I had made my way to the glider from the vessel Teddy was on. I utilized a zipline, sir, I say. He nods. That's a unique solution, corporal. Very unique. He looks a little impressed. Under other circumstances, I would be thrilled to share more about the details, but that is not what is needed now. Then Councilmember Howard Archer asks, You say you followed Master Commander Emeritus's instructions, but they were instructions given by a person with a degenerative brain disease by your own admission. As I listen, I wonder if there is actually a question being posed. So you, as a recent immigrant to Bosch, assumed he was able to make such a decision. Or perhaps you helped him reach that decision? I narrow my eyes at the underlying intent of the questioning from this little man recently elected to the council. This was Teddy's decision. I applied my own tests to be certain he was of sound mind. Mm-hmm, comes the response, a tone of skepticism apparent. Your own tests, how very convenient. And you had already spent several years insinuating yourself into his home. Interesting. There's an audible intake of breath from someone in the gallery. Now the council member's voice drips sarcasm. I'm sure you didn't anticipate profiting from the old MC's death. I feel the shift in my body and mind into battle mode. Tears or the memory of them are forgotten as I turn my body slightly toward Howard Archer. Well, junior council member Archer, I make sure to accentuate the junior portion of the title. My relationship with my family is none of your goddamn business. And when it comes to Papa's death, there is no profit, only loss something I believe you are all too familiar with in your various failed businesses. I give a quick tight smile to the council member and look directly into his eyes, daring him to come at me or my family again. At my final words, I hear a small chuckle that morphs into a cough from council member Vargas. Howard Archer glares at me and prepares to respond, but Nia Clark cuts in. I believe we have the information we need to allow us to make our decision. We will recess for three hours and then return with a verdict and sentence. She stands, and the rest of the council follows suit. Howard Archer standing last, still held in my gaze. What a little shit. So, for the next three hours, I lay on the hard bench back in my cell, making a list of all the things I love about Bosch. 
District 7 wine? Well, I can get imports of that. The beach is in District 4. The base when a new recruit class arrived. Rays. The way spring comes slowly through February and March and fits and starts but then blossoms fully in April. The fall leaves. The smell of the ring after a good sparring round. Tough glitter negotiations where I win. All the things I will miss. I am weeping copiously at the smallest details, having downed the water in my cell and rehydrated. My canyon? I smile a little. I discovered it and taught myself to maneuver a vessel through it. The snow drops under the trees in front of the little white house. The porch swing. Mama's smile. Peter. Paul. Mimi. Elise and Sharon and Ryan. All the nieces and nephews. I knew what the consequence would be when I agreed to Papa's request. Hell, the maroon man was there when the plot was laid out. But right now it feels overwhelming. I sit up and take several deep breaths. Remember what you keep. To Kai and my babies, they will always be there. My life? But I'm clearly an outsider in Edo. How will that be my home? Where will my home be now? I think for a moment of the North Country. No. No one left there that cares anyway. But I still wonder about the baby I've half forgotten. Never had that dream again after I was pregnant with Gray. But I know in my heart there was a little boy before. I shake my head. Even with all this, that sense of that memory comes with searing pain. I press it back where I don't need to see it. I go back to cataloging my Bosch delights. Three hours later, I'm led back into the council chambers and return to stand at attention in the center of the curved table. The members are already seated, and I glance back at the gallery. I don't see Mama. Takai is there, and so are my brothers and sister, but not Mama. She'll never forgive me, and I can't say I blame her. I do a double take. I see a man sitting between my sister and brothers. It's Steve Dalton, Teddy's doctor. What is he doing here? I specifically tried to leave him out of this. Naya Clark calls the session to order and my head pivots forward, all thoughts of Steve Dalton forgotten. She asks the formally required question. Before we read the verdict and pronounce the sentence, is there any further information in this case that anyone wishes to provide? Let's just get on with it. I wrinkle my brow inwardly, wondering why I'm so impatient to be cast aside from Bosch. Uh, I would like to add something. I turn my head to see who spoke, and each council member also looks to the gallery as Steve Dalton stands. Please come forward, Dr. Dalton. Naya motions for a guard to bring a chair as Steve opens the small wooden gate on the railing that separates the gallery from the chamber proper. I step to the side and look curiously at Steve, who is studiously avoiding my gaze. Please, your statement, council member Clark prompts kindly. Steve nods. Yes, ma'am. As you know, Master Commander Emeritus had VWM, which would have left him essentially without his mind within a year or two. And given the MC's family history, his body typically would have been expected to continue for another 20 years. I wrinkle my brow in actuality now as I think, we all knew this, Steve. What's the angle here? He goes on. However, Theodore Bosch was diagnosed last week with an inoperable terminal lung cancer that would have killed him within a year. I feel a small explosion in my brain, but I keep my face neutral. That's not true, Steve. Papa would have told me. He would have seen that diagnosis through. He wasn't afraid to die. He just didn't want to have his essence leave before his body expired. He wanted to protect his family. I hear the council ask a couple of questions of the good doctor, but my ears are buzzing as I try to make sense of this. I glance at the gallery, 
My siblings are holding hands and looking nervously at each other. They are in on this, I'm sure of it. They are trying to throw me a lifeline, but it isn't up to me whether I'll be able to grab it or not. The chief council member thanks Dalton, and he is shown back to his seat where I see him chewing vigorously at his thumbnail. Council members turn their chairs around, backs facing me, and talk in whispers, then turn back, writing on and passing several slips of paper back and forth until finally, council member Clark says, Corporal Wallace, please step to the center. I move forward a few steps, though I feel as if I am in a dream dragging my legs through thick mud. I look at each council member in turn, and they look back with neutral expressions, except for Howard Archer, who wears a scowl, though that may be his neutral expression. Nye Clark stands and reads the verdict. This tribunal finds you guilty in the death of Master Commander Emeritus Theodore Bosch. Given that I told you I did it, can't say I'm surprised, I say in my head. Outwardly, I simply nod slightly. And as provided for and indicated by Bosch law, you are sentenced to banishment. My knees go weak as I see the lifeline drifting away from my sandbar. But Councilmember Clark continues. However, banishment is meant to provide justice by asking the perpetrator to suffer removal from their home and family to the same degree as the victim that was killed. And given the description of Master Commander's ailments, he would have lived for at most another year. So, it is by majority vote. Here Naya gives what I can only describe as a stink eye to Council Members Archer and Pratt. That the banishment period is set for one full year. I feel my fingers close over the lifeline. It is thick and sturdy, though rough to my touch. All markers, accolades, titles, and ranks of the convict will be removed or will be left to the victim's family to disperse as they see fit. If after one year the convict desires to return to Bosch, she may, but any career she would pursue would need to be restarted from the beginning. In other words, Miss Wallace, clearly I'm no longer a corporal, I think as I look up as Naya directly addresses me. You will have to re-enlist, become a recruit again, and commit to a minimum two-year service in the battalion after your banishment. Or perhaps you may choose a career in the private sector. Either way, it is essentially a two-year probation. At the end of that time, you would once again be considered a full citizen of Bosch with all the rights and privileges. Do you understand? My eyes are wide, and Nia Clark's image is starting to swim as tears accumulate, but my hands are firmly in fists behind me, holding tight to the lifeline. Yes, ma'am, I hear myself say. I completely understand. 